noticing a trend. I was in Puerto Rico. I was staying up to date with the news um, because, you know, it's like just to paint the pictures. Early March 2020, I planned my vacation for this time. I wanted to make sure that if COVID-19 was getting very serious, that I was either going to A, go home early before, you know, like the border closes or B, waited out in Puerto Rico should it not last as long as, you know, as we had expected it to. And while I was watching the news, a lot of people, the the main story at the time was that the millennials would not stay off the beach, all right? People were upset that millennials had no, like, respect for, for their elders, that uh, they had no respect for authority. And as the news started to show the pictures and the videos of the beach, they were showing college students. Now, majority of college students right now are not millennials, if you didn't know. If you're in college right now, actually, if you were born between the years of 1997 and 2012, you're not a millennial. This group right here, they're, they're considered Generation Z. And Generation Z is a lot different from a millennial. Okay, let's give you another another just story. Um, going over a marketing plan. That was developed by a company. I won't name the company, but as a part of their marketing, like strategies that they had, one of the strategies, and this is fairly, fairly new. One of the strategies that they had in there was marketing to millennials. And a lot of the strategies that they had in that book didn't really pertain to millennials. So we're having a hard time classifying young people. And as a as a brand or as a business owner, you shouldn't have that problem, especially if young people are your target market. So if you have a you know, if you have a marketing plan or if you have a product or a service that is directed, meant for purposed for young people and you're only focusing on millennials. Or your strategy is based around millennials, then we're going to have a conversation today. This is episode two of the Cultural Connect podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Nollis. Today, we're going to talk about young people. We're going to talk about marketing to young people. And we're going to talk about, more specifically, Generation Z. Okay? If you're thinking about millennials, millennials are born between the years 1981 and 1996. I, myself, am a, I, I'm a millennial. Millennial. Okay? As a millennial, I kind of grew up with technology like as technology grew up i grew up okay i started with vhs tapes from blockbuster i moved forward to dvds right i went from dvds to streaming i started with personal computers we went from personal computers to desktop or it's the same but like laptops right From the laptops, we went to smartphones, which were like pretty cool because they were doing kind of similar to laptops. We went from Windows being the powerhouse to Apple. We went from smartphones being smart to getting smarter, right? We saw the end of of Nokia phones. We saw the trend going from, you know, thin flip phones to thin smartphones 
we went from dial-up internet to Wi-Fi anywhere, right? In regards to Generation Z, they were born into this. They don't know anything else. We can look back and see the growth. They can't. You look at social media. My first social network was AOL, Instant Messenger. Then it went to MySpace. Then it went to Facebook. There was a Tumblr phase in there. Whereas this generation now kind of came into their own during the Snapchat, Instagram phase. And so when you're thinking about the ways that they were, they that Generation Z grew up and the ways that millennials grew up, there's already a difference in the technology that we grew up on, that we're accustomed to, right? Generation Z is considered digital natives, right? They're, they're native to this. As a product or service, you don't have to necessarily tell this group why your product or service is so technologically advanced because they assume that everything should be technologically advanced. You should more so focus on like practicality, value, what is this doing for the world? What's your bigger message? They care about that. Millennials, they care more so about uh, a positive experience. How is this going to make my life better? Right? What What is this going to... How am I going to get instant gratification? That's a huge millennial thing. Instant gratification. They can kind of go hand in hand. But your strategy might have to modify between someone who was born in 1997 to 2012 and someone who was born in 1981 up until 1996. And I would even argue that there's two types of millennials. There are the 80s millennials and the early 90s millennials who are on the cusp of Gen Z. We'll put it all into picture for this podcast for episode number two. But if you are thinking of ways that you can reach this younger crowd, Generation Z. What you should do, first of all, is look at the way they grew up, right? There are two, and I would even argue now three, major events that happen in their life that will affect the way that they view the world. They were born into the 9-11 era. They were born into an era where National security already seemed pretty uh, fragile. They noticed, and especially if they grew up in the in the East Coast, um, New York, D.C., Virginia, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maryland, right? If they grew up in this er- in this area, they were personally affected by this. It'll kind of shape the way they look at the world. You fast forward to 2008 with the recession. This is a a nationwide thing now. A lot of people saw, a lot of these Generation Z people saw their parents actually lose jobs, lose money. And it affected the way that they looked at the world. It affected the way that they looked at money. And it really like hammer the point home on how financial security is important to them. They saw their millennial brothers and sisters go to college and go into debt over an education. 
if you want to argue a third point, we're living in it right now. They're coming of age in a world where um, society will never be the same after this pandemic. They're coming of age, they're turning 21, and they might not be able to go to the bars because the bars are closed. They might not be able to understand why, you know, you know, they can't interact, you know, with large crowds moving forward if they're younger. Um, but this will this will shape the way that they, they move forward in the world. And so your marketing plan is to take this group who is honestly jaded and to make them feel secure, to make them feel safe, to let them know that you have their interests as as your top priority. This is why they value savings. This is why they value practicality. This is why they value value. They don't necessarily care about the gimmicks. They don't necessarily care about, you know, the flash sales and the aggressive, you know, sales ad. You can't really push them to to make a decision before they, they fully go through their own buyer process. You need to guide them. You need to take them behind the scenes. You need to show them, listen, this is we have a bigger message, a bigger, you know, uh, issue at hand that we're trying to address. And we like for you to be a part of it. And they value that. And that's how you would build a brand loyal customer out of a Generation Z person with that. Right. You look at some social issues that they've started to encounter or that they have encountered throughout their childhood. You see body uh, body image issues. You see mental health issues. You see cyberbullying. All of this happening, obviously, online. Right. You see a, a, a push for um, more realistic advertisements with the models that are on the page. You look for um, more diversity. You want to be included right in an advertisement. You look at uh, messages that are, you know, more towards inclusion and less seclusion. And when you're doing that. You're telling this crowd that, listen, you know, we're here for you. We understand you. We are you. You know what I mean? Um, I think that a brand that is looking at an older way of creating an advertisement will see less traction with this group. So when you're picking, you know, an advertisement and you're 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 going for your models, you want to have an inclusive group. You want to have a diverse group. You want your your copy to reflect that you are a diverse company. You want your copy to to reflect that you care about their own personal health. You want your copy to make them feel comfortable, welcome, because it's important to them. This group only has eight seconds that they're willing to give a brand. When you come into into their digital space. Okay, this is where they live. Okay, on the digital space. This is a group that actually spends 10 hours online every single day, primarily on their web device, a mobile phone, cell phone. Um, some might be on the tablet, not necessarily on the laptop as much either. Okay, they're spending a lot of their time watching videos, they're spending a lot of their time shopping, they're spending a lot of their time scrolling through social media. 
They're spending a lot of time interacting with each other, connecting, communicating, especially now, right? When you're building your digital strategy as a as a, a marketer, as a brand, as a you know business owner, you want to make sure that you're taking this into account. You want the content that you're putting out to be optimized, meaning that you want it to, to work like you want it to, to, to work really good on the cell phone. You want them to pull up your video. You want the video to play right then and there. And when that video plays right then and there, you only have eight seconds to catch their attention. So you want to make sure that you are giving them in those eight seconds why your product is valuable and why it's practical for their daily life. These guys are two times more likely than myself, a millennial, to actually buy products offline. If your website takes too long to load, video-wise or shop-wise, they're leaving. You left money on the table. And if you haven't really taken a look at how you can optimize your website, how you can make it run faster, how you can make sure that pictures are loading fast, how you can make sure that everything is appearing the way that you want to aesthetically, and you have to ask yourself, how much money have you left on the table? When you're creating these these websites online, I tell my own personal clients, I say, take 75% of your time and focus on the, on the mobile design and take 25% and focus on the desktop design. Now, most of my clients are going to a younger crowd. Obviously, if your crowd is focusing on um, you know, Generation X, Baby Boomers, older Millennials. This is not the podcast for you. I'm not talking to you guys today. Sorry. Um, you want to make sure that your your mobile videos are shifting from a 16-9 ratio to a 9-16 ratio. I see online, uh, just you know, business in, in businesses in general, switching to 9-16 ratio videos. What does that mean? 916 ratio, the best way I can break it down, this is your Instagram TV, like vertical angle, watching the video with your phone pointing upwards ratio. If you have an IGTV, if you want a vertical video, if you want an Instagram story, it's 916 ratio. If your video is made for a television or a desktop computer, cool. You can do that too, honestly. I mean, it, it works, but then you have to flip the phone around. That flip of the phone around does take some time, though, out of your eight seconds, and you want the most of your time. Or you can go for your traditional square Instagram video that will play, like, in the feed right there. Um, your e-commerce sites, like I said, have to be mobile. There are websites actually dedicated. A quick Google search will show you the websites that will test how fast your sites are loading, and where you can actually improve upon, you know, uh, the, the, the optimization of your website. And any experience that you want your customer to have on the, a phone, you have to make sure that it's, it's optimized. You have to make sure that it runs smoothly. Video, survey, website, e-commerce, form. Personally, I hate when I have to fill out a form and the form is not optimized to a mobile format and you have to like go left to right to left to right to left to right to click the button to fill out the information. These are simple things. If you haven't thought about this, if you haven't done this, 
today's the day to start. And then you get into your social strategy. You think of the social media that's important for this group, okay? They're not on Facebook. I'll tell you right now. I, my brother, a Generation Z person, is not on Facebook. He doesn't have Facebook. I thought it was weird for a while. Now I understand it's very common, right? Not so much even on Twitter. You'll get you'll get a decent amount of people in Generation Z on Twitter, but not as much. Where are they? Oh, we all know. They're on Instagram. They're on Snapchat. Those are the top two. They're on TikTok. They're on Triller. They're on YouTube. Definitely on YouTube. YouTube won't go anywhere. YouTube understands this crowd. And so when you're making your content and you're re- trying to reach this crowd, you got to talk to them where they're at. A Generation Z geared post towards Facebook probably won't perform as well as it will on Instagram. And when you're creating your social strategy, you should keep that in mind. You should plan your message around the group that you're talking to, right? And for the platform that you're talking to them on. And for anybody, quick shameless plug, if you if you haven't gotten my creative branding worksheet, it breaks down the different groups where you can find them on the platform and explains it to you in a way that you can really like visualize how your campaign will go. When you're creating this content on their platform, right? We're going to call it their platform. They own this. This is where they live now, right? You have to make sure that the content is snackable, right? Again, these are the eight second, like eight seconds that you have to actually connect with them. Whether it's, it's, uh, you know, copy, which means just like basically words, right? On an advertisement, videos on social media, you want to make sure that the content is informative, not salesy. Let's take off the 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 car salesman suit and let's focus more so on actually having a conversation. I mean, I always tell people when they're selling to, to, to potential customers that you want to have the conversation as if you're having that conversation with your sibling or with your parents or with your significant other as opposed to talking to a stranger. How would you describe your product or service to your mother? How would you describe your product or service to your brother? How would you describe your product or service to your millennial cousin? And that's the way that your, your, your advertisement should go as well. Not salesy. Give them the benefits, give them the value, give them the, the practicality. When you are doing ads, you want to make sure that these ads show a person, whether it's you or your spokesperson or an influencer, discussing the products or service. It does the job for them. This is the group of people who will go and watch the unboxing videos on YouTube, right? This is the group of people who will sit and watch makeup tutorials. This is the group of people who will sit and watch these influencers talk about different brands. YouTube right now, and I've said this um, a lot, YouTube right now is the new Yelp for this group. It's the new reviews. They're looking in the comments. They're looking online. They're looking at the videos that are being made. If you don't have YouTube reviews of your product or service, or if you're not on YouTube discussing your product or service in an informative way, today is the day to start. I'm talking to you today. As far as influencers are concerned right reach out to micro influencers find out who has control of your target market 
but like on a smaller scale. When I say micro influencers, I personally I'm talking about five, six, seven thousand followers. Some might consider ten thousand. Not big names that are seemingly compromised by brands. Someone who has um like they have the trust of his or her audience. That audience trusts them. That audience trusts their opinion. Reach out to them, show them the product, give them free product, or create it yourself. Have a spokesperson. Whatever works with your budget. Micro influencers, though, they are very, fairly inexpensive to work with. And when you're doing this, or if it's already been done, make sure that you're monitoring it online. You want to see what this crowd is saying. How are they perceiving your brand? What questions are they having? What don't they get? What don't they like? What do they wish you did better? Take notes. This will help you get better. This is you doing a focus group without actually having to pay for it. Well, technically, I mean, if you pay for the micro-influence, but it's a lot cheaper. And when you're looking at that and you see, if I go... And my my phone my product is a cell phone and the cell phone is a uh, you know a smartphone and the volume button is too close to the power button and I keep turning off my phone by accident and people keep saying that in the comments when I come back for version two I'm moving it I know that now if people are upset with uh you know the messaging they feel it's insensitive I can respond to that in real time if people wish there was a different colorway. Oh, I wish they had that in red. I'm, I'll announce red. I'm like monitoring the pulse of the community via online. And so your social strategy, which is a part of your digital strategy, should revolve around that as well. When you want to interact with this group, right? They want unique experiences. They don't want cookie cutter. They want authentic I want authentic as well. I, I I always advocate for authenticity in a brand. I don't know many people that won't honestly either. But what they want is um, someone who's going to think outside the box. So let's talk a little bit about ways that your brand could do it in ways that I've done this with, uh, you know, with my job or, you know, with different clients. They want, you know, online games. They want sponsored brand events. They want contest submissions. They want a chance to create content for your brand, which is awesome because you don't have to pay for that. They want to search for your product on YouTube. They want to deal with the micro influencers that are in your industry. Right. They don't want to fill out a survey. They don't want to sign up and, you know, become a part of a loyalty program where on the 10th buy you get something for free. They don't want that. That's too much. It, it makes it makes their life difficult. So if you can find a way to make a unique interaction around that around them and their preferences, you're building a loyal customer. You're building a loyal customer that's growing. I mean, they represent 25.9% of the U.S. population today and 40% of the consumer market. And it'll only grow. So if you're not tapping into that crowd now, you're going to fall behind during the next wave of trends. When we are working with the Digilog, right, 
the quarantine, I'll give you a personal story, honestly. The quarantine and COVID-19 really threw us for a loop. It really, really, really just kind of, I mean, we had a lot planned. We had, um, you know, our U.S. tour and Toronto planned for 2020. We were planning to go, I think I might have said 2019, but you know what I meant. Um, We were planning to really like capitalize with a grassroots approach to growing the brand with unique events. I mean, we were, these were unique sponsored events. Um, we were working with influencers in every single city and it was, you know, it was, it was great. It was working. People were excited about it. And then we had to cancel, not cancel, but postpone. It'll happen in 2021. When we had to postpone it, it kind of threw us a curveball. Obviously it wasn't expected for anyone. And obviously this is now taking, um, the time to really think about our approach to reaching young people and specifically this crowd as well. And how can we take these strategies and put it towards that? And I think that now as bad as this, this whole situation is, it's separating the contenders from the pretenders. And I think during this time we're proving that we're contenders And so you look at what we're doing with Digilog After Dark and what we're doing with our freelancer database and what we're doing with our online panels and masterclasses. We're bringing them what they want to them on their platform. And we're making it a unique brand interaction, even while they're in the house by themselves. I look at companies like Quibi. If you haven't heard of Quibi, this is not an advertisement but I'm actually very intrigued by what they're doing. I'm intrigued by who started it, and I'm intrigued by their entire brand strategy. It's Gen Z to the T, okay? You're taking the 916 format ratio for videos. You're taking quick, snackable content. It's like Netflix, but 10-minute videos. Let me explain it first if if you don't know what it is. Quibi is essentially Netflix, but just for young people who have short attention spans. And it's not their fault if they have a short attention span. This is just the times, but 10 minute videos curated by influencers hitting on nostalgia for the, the, the millennials and offering it in a way that I can consume it very quickly and be on my way for a reasonable price. Now it's free. Once we have to start paying, I don't think I would mind paying for it. We'll see what happens there. Um, But these experiences are personalized, you know, for that crowd. They're personalized for, I mean, obviously it's a larger crowd, so it's hard to personalize for a larger crowd. But, I mean, it's based off of the habits and the preference of this generation and of younger millennials as well. When we're sitting and, and discussing our digital strategy, we're looking at these these social media platforms. How can we alter what we're doing for each platform? What do they want to see? How can we deliver it, deliver that to them? How can we do it so that it's just enough and it's not too much in terms of content and time? What's the value that they get out of it? How is it practical? What's our major mission like what's our our mission statement our brand you know initiative that we're trying to hit we're not sitting and going for long blogs 
we're not sitting and you know posting to our facebook group we have a facebook group we do post there but we know where our crowd is at we're not you know trying to play catch up with the other companies the other companies are trying to play catch up with us so when you look at how you're supposed to uh, engage with this crowd and how they benefit your business, what the shared value between your goals and their goals are, your digital strategy will basically sprawl from that. With that, that's episode two of the Culture Connect podcast. I, again, I'm your host, Brandon Nollis. Um, you can find me at Brandon Nollis on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok <laughs> for Generation Z. Um, and you can reach out to me at Brandon Nollis or Brandon Nollis at gmail.com. Check out my website. If you guys are looking for ways that you can strategize how you can market to Generation Z and you feel that there's a uh, topic that you would like to discuss more, head to my Instagram Um the link is in the bio. You can schedule a 60-minute talk with me via Zoom. We can discuss your ideas. Then I'll give you a detailed recap afterwards. On episode three, I'm going to be talking with AG47 as well, a recording artist from Los Angeles, originally from New York City. Um, so make sure that you check out episode three of, or you're on the lookout for episode three of the Culture Connect podcast. I am Brandon Nallis, and I am signing off right now. You guys enjoy yourself.